My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Susan Brigham and Cassandra McDonald. Being a girl or a young woman in North America today isn't easy. Exactly how that plays out depends a lot on who you are, of course. Are you a trans girl? Are you a black girl? Are you a girl living in poverty? And so on. But it includes facing the possibility of a lot of different kinds of violence. It includes intense pressures to act in certain ways and not others. It includes being targeted with a lot of hate and a lot of shaming directed at your body. And it includes having a lot of the great things that you and other girls and young women like you do in schools and communities across the country ignored, erased, devalued, or sometimes even ridiculed. A lot of different feminists have a lot of different answers for how to respond to all of that, with the more to-the-root end of the spectrum involving collective efforts to push for transformative change in the direction of gender justice, the end of white supremacy and settler colonialism, and a whole lot of other important stuff. On the path to those larger victories that we so badly need, though, there are a lot of questions about what we should be doing right now. And one of those questions is, perhaps, what can be done to mobilize the resources that exist in important institutions like universities in ways that support and empower girls and young women, both as individuals and in their efforts to work together to make their communities more just places. Susan Brigham and Cassandra McDonald have one possible answer to that question. Brigham is a professor in the Faculty of Education at Mount St. Vincent University in Halifax, Nova Scotia, while McDonald is a graduate student there. Both are involved in Mount St. Vincent's Alexa McDonough Institute for Women, Gender, and Social Justice, and both are involved in organizing the Girls 2017 Conference. The conference is a gathering that will be happening in early March. It will bring together between 200 and 300 girls and young women from around Nova Scotia to talk about everything from self-esteem to getting involved in politics, from missing and murdered Indigenous women to non-traditional careers, from Activism 101 to social media, from sexuality to learning how to tell your own story. Brigham and McDonald speak with me about the challenges faced by girls and young women today, about the history and organizing of the annual Girls Conference, and about the exciting things that will be happening at Girls 2017. We spoke by Skype to phone from Halifax. I am Cassandra McDonald, and I am a graduate student here at the Mount, and I also have the privilege of working with the Alexa McDonough Institute here and sitting on the steering committee. And I've been involved with the Girls Conference for three years now. I'm Dr. Susie Brigham. I am a professor in the Faculty of Education here at Mount St. Vincent University, and I am also the chair of the Alexa McDonough Institute for Women, Gender, and Social Justice. The Girls' Conference is just going into its sixth year, and its broadest mandate would be to really help Nova Scotian girls in particular develop and appreciate and celebrate their own abilities and talents and 
it's also an opportunity for them to see other women and young girls in positions of leadership, and it's an opportunity for them to empower themselves and build confidence, and really we're hoping that they can build a positive influence in their own communities. The Mount University is unique, I think, compared to most universities in the country, and its mandate and vision includes the advancement of women and women in leadership. I think that makes it unique in the country. And so we have a tradition here at this university to really work for women, to raise the awareness of women. A lot of our courses would have a feminist perspective, whether it's in education or sociology or family studies, etc. The Alexa McDonough Institute for Women, Gender, and Social Justice, we've actually recently changed the name to add Alexa McDonough as the title just in the last couple of years. It was kind of revived, I'd say, probably in 2012. It just came back to life. It was kind of dormant for some years. And, in fact, we have a women's studies research chair called the Nancy's Chair, named after Nancy Ruth, the senator. And so the Nancy's Chair in 2012 was Rita Deverell, and she was very keen to see that we bring this institute back to life, bring it back into action. So from there, the institute began to grow. We have a steering committee, which is made up of staff at the university, as well as faculty members, including part-time and full-time, and students. And then we also have two seats reserved for community members, so community at large outside of campus, generally. And that steering committee is made up of volunteers. In total, I think we have 12 of us all together. As a steering committee, we have a small budget from the university to undertake a variety of events and activities. We have a fair bit of freedom in terms of deciding what it is that we should do and how we should go about doing it. We've been engaged in a lot of educational-type activities, research-based activities. We have grants from the Social Science and Humanities Research Council. We've used money from that organization to fund research on, for example, violence against women and on Aboriginal women and their contributions. We've been able to support women's studies students as well as students in a variety of disciplines and departments here at the university. We have a focus on peace and peace building. We do things with a feminist collective. There's a group of young women on campus, undergraduate students, who call themselves the Feminist Collective. So we work alongside them to support their various panel discussions. And we've built some great partnerships. Yes. Absolutely. We've been building partnerships with other organizations around the province, particularly. And we've often had, in addition to the girls' conference, other types of conferences that will take up a different focus. Social activist and social responsibility is usually the key focus to most of the work that we do. So that's kind of what the Alexa McDonough Institute does. It's quite an exciting organization with people who are really committed to social justice and to women and gender issues. So the girls' conference was one of the very first things that the Institute took on in 2012, and it coincided with the International Day of the Girl that was declared for October 11 in 2012. So it seemed like a perfect fit for the Institute to take up the focus of girls in a conference and bringing girls and young women on campus who may not otherwise ever step foot on a campus. So it was an opportunity to engage not just university-aged folks, but to engage 
children. And the children that we are referring to are usually from the age of 11 up to 18. And for myself, I've always been a feminist, I think, ever since I was a young girl. So by coming to the university here to become a professor, I feel like that really jived with my path to my career. And now I'm a mother of two teenagers, and I find that the girls' conference has been a significant part of their growing up. When we first started six years ago, both the children were in elementary school, and they have heard me talk about the girls' conference. They participated in the girls' conference. Both of my girls have been very much influenced and excited by the girls' conference, so that's an additional piece for me. And also, as someone who was a school teacher for years before I became a professor, I'm very much aware of some of the limitations to what schooling can provide for girls, well, for boys and girls. As an example, you look at the histories that are presented at school. They often exclude or ignore a lot of the contributions of women and girls. And yet, when you look around in social media and you look around at who's making a difference in the community, they are often girls, women and girls. And it's a bit of a surprise sometimes to realize just how much dedication and commitment young girls have for social responsibility and social justice issues. And, you know, the newspapers occasionally pick up exciting stories about what girls are doing. But I think the media and the school systems are not doing enough to help showcase what the female population is capable of and what they are doing in terms of leadership and making a difference in the communities where they live. For me, that was a big piece of why the Girls' Conference is so important to what we do. So the Girls' Conference, is, you know, it can't do everything, but it can certainly help to raise the awareness of those that are within the province to these role models and these amazing individuals. And I think if a child can leave the Girls' Conference with just one tiny little piece of knowledge, then it would be that they can make a difference. They can see that girls and women are making a difference. And for me, I went through my own struggles as a young woman and could see some struggles that women in my family and some of my friends were facing. And from a very young age, I knew that I wanted to make a difference for women as I grew up. So when I returned to school as a mature student, I became lucky enough to be hired by the Alexa McDonough Institute for Women, Gender, and Social Justice. They hired me to actually help with the organization of the Girls' Conference, which I was very excited about. And being a mother of three children as well, I wanted it to help my own daughter, but not even only my daughter, but also my son, because I think there has to be a change on both ends for females and for males to make a difference. And that's kind of what brought me here, and I feel very blessed to be a part of it every year. It's probably my favorite thing every year. And now my daughter gets to sit on the Girls' Conference Committee as well, as well as Susie's daughter. What are some of the key challenges and issues that girls and young women in Nova Scotia are facing in their lives these days? There's so many, but hearing from the girls, because we had evaluation sheets, and often a topic that came up that we hadn't initially thought too much about was sexuality and just being able to have a conversation with a boy or having a conversation with a girl about what it means to be a girl and to be sexual. 
and that featured very prominently on requests for future topics. So we've taken that up. We'll continue to expand on that, and that's around consent, but also just around what it means to be sexual as a young person and what it means to be a female and to be transgendered, because that's also something that we've been more attentive to. That was one of the top ones. But then social media is another topic that a lot of young women are concerned about and want to know more about. So we've had a variety of workshop leaders who facilitated understanding your profile, whether it's for your Facebook or your Twitter or whatever account, Snapchat, and the implications of using social media. The young women have been very interested in trying to understand more about what that means to them, not only currently, but implications for their futures. And another area would be regarding careers. A lot of women or young girls tend to still feel that they have to choose certain careers. And we always get involved with Wise Atlantic, and they focus more on other careers that young women could get involved with as well. We've had political pieces here for girls in politics, if they're interested in there, and um, science-based careers. And we've had a lot of leaders come in to talk to them about different things that they can get involved in as well. Also, some of our guest speakers or our keynote speakers have talked about various forms of disabilities. So we've had, for example, Denise Fitzgerald, who is a wheelchair user, and she's an activist for disabilities. The girls have also been very keen on the role of women in sports. So that's something we've been trying to showcase, that, for example, Taekwondo is not just for boys and for men. This is something that a lot of women are active in, and a lot of women are making big inroads in different forms of martial arts. So that was something we offered different last year. And and we had the roller derby. That's also a very sort of Mm -hmm. feminist, woman-centered sport. And the girls got to try out what the roller derby was and got a bit of a history on the roller derby. We're trying to showcase women who have made differences in, for example, literature. So a lot of our girls are very excited to have an author or a storyteller or a writer come and lead them through different ways of expressing themselves, whether it's through writing poetry or spoken word or having someone share with us their spoken word stories or poems. Aboriginal issues is also something girls are interested in. They want to know about the missing and murdered Aboriginal women. They want to know, well, what's the story behind that? Why is that happening? And what can I do to know more about this? And politics, I think we might have mentioned that. It's another piece girls are interested to know. How do you get involved in politics? What does it take to be a political leader? How do you get into these formal political parties? And not only that, but how do you even get started? So some women have come and shared their stories about how they got involved, whether it was student council, and then they got involved in the council at the municipal level, and then they moved into the provincial. Of course, Alexa McDonough Institute is named after Alexa McDonough, and she herself was a significant politician in the history of Canada, being the leader of the NDP at the time. And, you know, we've had a lot of support from unions. Unions are interested in the girls' conference because they know this is a way for girls and young women to be exposed to issues of social justice, whether it's in the workplace or whether it's in the community. We've had girls interested in knowing how to speak with the media. So we had a couple of speakers who helped girls to know what it takes to speak on a radio program or how to engage in a conversation that's to the point and can make a point. Immigration. There are great interests 
on the role of immigration in Canada. So, for example, one of our keynote speakers that we had last year at the girls' conference were two World University Service students, and they both came from refugee camps, also young women themselves, and they spoke about what it meant to grow up in a refugee camp and the challenges of trying to access learning. So that's the kind of thing that our youth here in Nova Scotia are interested in. And I think we underestimate what girls and young women are interested in because, you know, if you look at what's being taught in schools, and I, as I said, was a school teacher, so I know that we have government-sanctioned curriculum guidelines. We have learning objectives that we have to meet. And there's a fair bit of flexibility in those. But given a teacher's life is just so busy, I think the Girls' Conference can offer something that schools haven't been able to or haven't had time for, and that really is to honor and validate the histories of girls, to take up these issues that girls want to know more about. And none of these things that we're talking about are apolitical. There's every implication for a political outcome, whether it's around immigration or refugee issues or whether it's around Aboriginal women or whether it's around women making their way through a non-traditional feminist career, whether it's in the trades or in sciences or business. Maybe using this year's conference as an example, talk about the organizing cycle for the Girls' Conference. It starts about a year before, and we build a committee made up, I think this year we have about 10 people, I believe, which are students, and we have quite a few of our Alexa McDonough Institute steering committee as well on the Girls' Conference Committee. First, we have to go through all the logistics of booking rooms for all of the workshops and think about catering and building the website and the promotional materials and getting together calls for proposals to send out to different community departments and departments within the Mount. Then we have to send out notice to schools so we can start to build our registration list. And unfortunately, in Nova Scotia, we have a work to rule for teachers. So we're kind of a little bit afraid that perhaps the word of the conference is not getting out there just yet because of the work to rule, and we're hoping that that will be resolved, and then we can start promoting it much more broadly than we are at the moment with the school system. But that definitely is a piece of what we do is get the schools aware of the conference because they have to work out their budgets and booking their buses if they're coming from out of the city. So it's quite an endeavor. And as Cassandra said, it starts a year at least in advance to prepare for this. And for finding funding as well. And this year, with the work to rule, we've had to kind of think outside of the box a little bit. So we've been focusing more on private schools and community groups and some of the other opportunities around Nova Scotia that have maybe girls groups and stuff like that that we can also focus on or sports teams, female sports teams and stuff like that, just in case the work to rule still stands because our numbers have been going up every year. With last year, I think we had around 250 girls. So this year, we were hoping to continue to grow the numbers. And this year, we have more youth. Cassandra mentioned she has a daughter who's 13, and my daughter just turned 14. So we turned to the younger folks more over the years. We initially started off with mostly faculty members and some staff, and now we're listening more and more to the younger generation, just to hear, well, what is it that would interest you? And the evaluations that we get every year has been very helpful. 
And that's where we'll become more alert to what it is that the girls are asking for. And I think that's a big piece of the logistics, too, is thinking early on, what are the topics that the girls are asking for? Who is best positioned to help us understand that topic and lead us through an activity or an event or a workshop or a physical activity that can help us understand this issue in a bigger way? What sorts of speakers and workshops and events are going to be a part of this year's Girls Conference? Well, the ones that I've heard back from, again, this year so far is Avalon Sexual Health. They've been a part of it now for quite a few years. And I believe Tiffany Young is going to be involved again. And hers is on self-esteem for young women, self-esteem, self-love and acceptance. And that consistently gets full. Mm -hmm. That's probably one of the the highlights of the conference, um, that focus. Not necessarily just that particular workshop, but the focus on self-esteem. The girls are asking to understand more about that particular topic. Storytelling, that's something that, again, is consistently well-subscribed. Girls want to know how to share their story, whether it's through telling their story orally or whether it's through sitting and writing, going through a poetry writing workshop or activity. I did mention sexuality initially as one of the key topics that girls are often asking about. How do I talk to a person that I'm attracted to? You know, what's involved in sex? You know, is it supposed to be enjoyable? Is this something that I can talk freely about with others? A lot of girls are just saying there's not an opportunity to talk about sex, to talk about sexual health, to talk about sexuality, and to talk about it intersectioned with disabilities and queer feminism or with the LGBT experience, with transgendered experiences. Girls want to know, and so we are quite certain that that'll be a topic that we will be offering again this year. And the Antigonish Women's Resource Center always puts on one called Self-Love is Radical, and that's on praise towards kindness towards other and little attention paid to loving oneself. So it focuses on self-love and developing an understanding about why this act is so important. And the YWCA puts on one called Eliminate Hate, and that focuses on using principles of social justice, safety, and empowerment. and deconstructs the current culture that encourages negative competition and rivalry between girls and young women. And they also, I think, in the previous year, and they talked about cyber violence and Mm -hmm. cyber misogyny. And they look at that from a feminist and youth-centered perspective. And that one is often oversubscribed, this notion of how we can shift our conversation to a shame-free education that focuses on creating empowerment online for young women. Issues around power and privilege We've had conversations around power, privilege, and anti-oppression, using popular education methods to help young girls explore issues of power that they experience every single day in their lives, and even activism. And I know that'll be well-subscribed as well. I'm hoping we can bring that back again. This idea about being an activist, and as I mentioned before, I think we underestimate just how much young girls and trans folks are already engaged in activism and advocacy for social justice, whether it's in their schools or whether it's in their communities. So a lot of girls are asking, can we understand a little bit more about how we can become involved either in the gay straight alliance clubs or their school environmental clubs, or how they can even start a new club at their schools, how they can build ideas around inclusive spaces and how we can engage in a dialogue in schools 
on topics that are not maybe paid attention to in school. And this year, we're very excited. We're going to have Rini Smith as our keynote speaker. And she is a talented emerging artist from North Preston, Nova Scotia here. And she's going to sing a couple of her songs. She just recently won the African Nova Scotia Music Award here. And she's going to sing and speak. And she'll just talk about how she got into music, how she got into the industry. And I guess give girls the sense that they too could develop this idea of self-esteem and compassion and can speak out and be heard in our communities. The fact that the girls and young women who come to this university campus to engage in these types of learning activities because they're not your standard sit down and let me have someone talk at you. That is not what the girls conference is about. So I think just engaging in a different type of learning where they are either physically moving about, they're engaging in a variety of creative thinking processes. And it's an opportunity for girls to come together from so many different backgrounds. And it's an opportunity to get out from the four walls of their school to come to a university campus. The positive energy, that sense of accomplishment when you see other women and girls doing things that are making a difference, that in itself is truly inspirational. The only limitation I can think of is that it's only ever one day or two days per year that we get to have this type of interaction with young women in Nova Scotia. So our only hopes are that they bring the knowledge that they have learned back to their schools or their communities. Yeah, so it'd be nice if they could maybe make it more consistent. So maybe, you know, two months later, you could engage them again in something else. And then two months later after that. One thing that we're kind of excited about this year is that we're having a literary contest One of the things the Alexa McDonough Institute has done this year was to partner with Understory Magazine. Understory Magazine is an online magazine dedicated to women and girls. And this year, it's very exciting. We're asking our women and girls to think about submitting either a fiction or poem or a personal essay, even a comic or a visual art piece on the issue of power. So we're asking power, who has it, who needs it, how can we get it? And we'll be awarding the winner, the three winners, I guess, first, second, and third prizes at the actual girls' conference. So that's open for ages 12 to 18. So that's kind of an exciting addition this year that we've never had in previous years. You have been listening to my interview with Susan Brigham and Cassandra McDonald. They've been talking with me about the girls' 2017 conference that will be happening in Halifax on March 3rd. To learn more about it, go to msvu.ca and search for Girls 2017. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to suggest topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week.